This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Look, I, I don't get caught up in that. Um, they see me every day. They, they know what I can and can't do, what I'm capable of. Um, my job is to to work as hard as hard as possible, be a good teammate, and uh, and do my job. So um, that's not really for me to, to speak on, I guess. That was the quarterback of the Denver Broncos, Jared Stidham, in case you're unfamiliar with his voice, but get familiar with it because he is the starting quarterback, as for the last two, and as the Broncos move away from Russell Wilson, although Sean Payton has said the decision has not been made yet, mm -hmm, they'll be moving away from Russell Wilson, and Jared Stidham has the leg up, despite the fact that the Broncos did not look particularly impressive. Uh, it, it is funny to me, Sandy. Stidham goes 20 for 34, 272, a touchdown and a pick in the Broncos' 27-14 loss to Las Vegas, which cements their seventh consecutive losing season and eighth without a playoff, both the longest stretches as an NFL franchise for the Denver Broncos. They are literally in the worst position they have ever been in as an NFL franchise as of today. The funny thing is I looked at Stidham's numbers, and Sean Payton, after the game, thought halftime said he thought he was playing great, praised him again after the game like he did the game before. Far Stidham, more praise than yeah. anything he said at any point this year about Russell but Wilson. But 20 for 34, 272, one touchdown, one interception. He took five sacks. Wilson, had, Wilson always takes a lot of sacks, but Stidham took five sacks. He Stidham a, in the two games took a higher percentage of sacks. Of Wilson. even Wilson. An 82 passer rating, which is quite a bit lower than what Wilson had. And a QBR, mind you, of 29.9. Well, uh, Stidham looked every part a NFL backup, which is after his, this is the completion of his fifth year, which is what he is. But he does make $7 million next year. And with the Broncos having to figure out if they're going to dissect Russell Wilson's dead cap money over one year or two, they're going to be limited in their options. Uh, Stidham is and should be considered right now the likeliest candidate to start for the Denver Broncos next year? I suppose, but I, I think with the 12th overall pick, it's hard for me to it is hard to, yeah, almost that have the to Broncos wouldn't take a quarterback. Um, would McCarthy be there at 12? Uh, we'll see him tonight in the national championship game. We'll see Penix tonight. Would both be there at 12? Possibly. I suspect they would. Mm -hmm. Um Daniels won't be, May won't Daniels be. Daniels wouldn't Caleb be a Williams guy that they'd pick be. anyway. Uh, um, Jaden no. Daniels play was too I mean, That's not really the we'll, style we'll, that we'll Sean Payton wants. Bat that around. Uh, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I think it's asinine that you wouldn't take a quarterback of Daniels' talents if you had the opportunity. I don't. I, I think it's an academic issue. Uh, he'll be a top be 10 long pick, and, and they will not move up. Uh, and it is, it's, boy, people are crazy. Uh, at, at some stage along the way here, people got the impression that, well, you know, you just pile your garbage high enough and you'll be able to trade up from 12 to 5 or well, 6. Broncos don't have any quarterback to move you up. want outside of the top two or three yeah. guys. I didn't take anybody. I, I think outside of the uh, – I, I don't know why this would be. But May seems to be number two behind Williams. Mm -hmm. and Daniel seems to be number three. But after that, you got Penix, you've got uh, J.J. McCarthy, and you've got Bo Nix. Nix of Oregon, All right. right. 
Um, Those are I don't the three think all three discussed. would go in the first round. I think all three will be available. That, oh, all three will definitely be available. I think they'll all 12. be there at 12. They'll all be there at 12. I, I don't know that Knicks is a first-round pick, either. but uh, I think the other two might be, and Penix has improved his position unquestionably uh, with his performance in the semifinals of the college football playoff. But I prefer to look at Stidham over the two games as a whole and uh, you know it's not a huge sample size but it's something uh in no category save for yards per pass attempt which is not insignificant no is a, he a major stat in superior to wilson though uh, not on the basis of completion percentage uh not on the basis of touchdown to interception ratio he has been sacked more often at a higher rate uh, than Wilson was sacked. Uh, the QBR for the two games is 30.6, and the passer rating is 87.7. Both 6. well below Wilson's numbers. Ooh, boy, I mean, that that is, that's down there. And yikes. I mean, that that's that's the trick, I think, is understanding that what you, what you hear from Sean Payton is the idea that, and what, what I think you've seen, and it's, it's, pretty, look, it's pretty evident. We talked about this on Friday. As the Broncos quarterback carousel spins up, it may very well be less about overall ability. For example, a Jaden Daniels is not going to be someone Sean Payton's going to select. Get guys, the guys that get their success based on off-script improvisational play, that's not what Sean Payton looks for. Sean Payton looks for a guy like a Jared Stidham. Here's the play I'm running. I called this play. Run this play, run it as I said to run it, and get out. Well, why were they still calling yesterday multiple timeouts when they couldn't get plays? In? I noticed that as well. Seems like well, we're still having a problem getting plays in. So, so maybe that wasn't Russell I, Wilson. I, I He's no longer the common denominator, is must he? Must not be. In fact, the common denominator Wilson's fault. appears to be Sean Payton. Yeah. You have I, two different quarterbacks. Both of them had the same issues. Uh, the Broncos should have been called for two delay of games in which the referees clearly in a game in which nothing's going on or looking to get to dinner. Uh, let the let those plays slide on both teams with regularity. Let the clock expire and still let them get well, their plays off. Uh, listen, um, in the past, I've rather enjoyed Matt Millen as an analyst. Uh, yesterday, your former on the right? uh, it's up at one point Spencer of uh, Matt Millen. I'm pardon me. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. Uh, we had him on as a guest a number of times and liked him a lot. And uh, at one point, uh, he came on a show that I was co-hosting. This is many, many years ago when he was actually the general manager of the Detroit Lions and uh, used the phrase describing Mike Shanahan at the height of Mike's powers following the two straight Super Bowls in 1998. His quote was, Mike Shanahan has lapped the field. Uh, Bill Belichick wasn't a head coach at the time that Matt Millen said that. Um, Perhaps five or six years later, Matt Millen would have amended uh, that uh, proclamation. But I thought as a dispenser of nonsense, uh, he may have topped the list of all analysts. It was a rough day yesterday uh, on that wow. call. Uh, first of all, Randy Gratishar is, yes, uh, yes, he, he, in the hall. Of well, he will be. Uh, will, yeah, I mean, he will be. He he he, he didn't know that. He's he the said senior, Randy yeah. Gratishar should be in the hall he, of. He fame. was the nominee from the senior committee. That has thus far, at least, been a rubber stamp. 
Yes. For the Hall of yes. Fame. Yes. And it, it's a that virtual certainty that in the next few he weeks. declared definitively that it's a crime that Randy Gratishar is not. Well, it'll be fame. solved in very I, short order. I, I mean, it's it's a it's a rubber stamp. There, it's a mere formality. Gratishar is accepted. Congratulations. I mean, that that was one of many. Just, and you would think someone would correct him on that, right? Or at least have him say, "Well, you know, the guy's ninety nine point nine 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 percent certain of getting in." No, no one in his position has been rebuffed, right? It, it hasn't it, happened. It, that has not. It happened hasn't happened once. Uh, uh, he will likely be inducted on February eighth when the uh, NFL Honors Program goes on, and Randy Gratishar is expected it's, it's uh, to be one of the Hall of Fame. It's a mere formality yeah, in a month uh, from today. Right. Uh, but uh, you know, I I'm listening to him, and I'm thinking it's a crime that Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy aren't first and second team All Pro. You kept hearing about the talented wide receiver group, oh, right? Like we uh, heard all uh, offseason, uh, unbelievable. Uh, Sutton caught one pass for two yards. Mm-hmm. Judy actually had his best day of the year, yep. but it wasn't close to a 100-yard uh, receiving day. And uh, neither Judy nor Sutton put up more than 772 yards in receptions. Right. That's where Sutton was, 772. Judy at 758. We talked about this last week. The Broncos not only did not have a 1,000-yard rusher or a 1,000-yard wide receiver, they didn't have a 900-yard rusher or wide receiver, and they did not have an 800-yard rusher or wide receiver. That's hard to do, and I defy you to find anybody short of maybe New England, I'm thinking, who didn't have an 800-yard receiver or an 800-yard rusher. And when you look at those things, I mean, what that's indicative of is a team that does not have a lot of top-end talent. And it is, and you're right, by the way, that the Patriots are even worse, uh, although they're, they're top two in Ezekiel Elliott and Ramondre Stevenson, and Stevenson got hurt. It was on pace for, you know, an opportunity. To oh, I, I think he... Would have gotten yeah. eight hundred yards. Yeah, six hundred nineteen in the in the twelve games. But but you're right. And 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 think about how bad a year Jerry Judy had. I mean, I think Two most, I think most people would have looked at Jerry Judy this year and just said an abysmal year, right? Folks, he was fifteen yards away from being the Broncos' leading receiver in yards. Fifteen. That's it. If he catches one of the two significant drops in what turns out to be Russell Wilson's last game as a Denver Bronco. He's the team's leader in receiving yards. Whoopee. I mean, no, but I mean, that, that just shows you that, look, Cortland Sutton had a nice bounce back here with the 10 touchdowns, but it wasn't all that productive in yardage. No, he averaged 13 yards a catch. Judy uh, was even higher than 10 that. 10 touchdown receptions, which that's, was That's impressive. great. There's nothing wrong with that. Can you believe that the Broncos this year had one player catch a pass for more than 50 yards and that man caught all of 13 passes this year for 162 yards. Oh, wow. For more than 50 yards. Little Jordan, little Jordan Humphrey. Little Jordan Humphrey had a 54 yard reception. Uh, Brandon Johnson had a 50 yard reception, but more than 50 yards, not Troutman. Uh, Mims had a 60-yarder, so I stand corrected. Oh, you're right. Mims, Mims had a 60. got in a 60-yarder, right. so there are two 
Humphrey and Mims, who between them caught 35 passes. Brandon Johnson, who was, by the way, second on the team in touchdown receptions. You might not know that as well since he had 19 catches on the year, but four of them were touchdowns. Also had a 50, but nobody else except the names we just roll off even had more than a 35-yard catch, and that was Lucas Kroll. Jaleel McLaughlin Mm -hmm. caught as many touchdown passes. Caught, not ran for, caught as many touchdown passes this year as Jerry Jerry Judy. Two right. and two, mm-hmm. and so did Javante Williams. Javante Williams with two touchdown catches. Uh, strangely enough, uh, P. Ryan only had one. I I would have guessed more than that since he caught fifty three passes, but only one went for a touchdown out of the uh, fifty three. Um, Judy caught sixty two percent of the passes that were thrown his way. Right. Sutton a little over 65 and a half percent. Mims two thirds. Troutman 63 percent. Johnson 63 percent and Humphrey almost 68 and a half percent of the targets. So the way I see it here, Judy among the half dozen most notable Bronco receivers, right? Sutton, Judy, Mims, Troutman, Johnson, Humphrey had the lowest percentage of catches right. per times target. That passed, that's the eye test, too. And this is a team that, by the way, on the year, remember we were told this was a power run first team? Eight rushing touchdowns all year. The whole team. Three of them were by your benched quarterback, Russell Wilson. The running backs on this team had five in total. Five rushing touchdowns from running backs. Uh, could I give you a summation of the last six games? Okay. Four of which Denver lost. This, this was and the stretch of which five, Russell five Wilson. game winning. Sure. Okay. 3.3 yards per rush. Oof. 31st in the NFL. There are only 32 teams. Expected points added per rush. 20th. Yesterday, 20 carries, 48 yards. By the end of the year, the Broncos were 0-5 against the Raiders, the Jets, the Patriots, and the Commies, (laughs) who were in not one instance close to the playoffs. All had losing records. Well, they were 1-1 when they beat the Broncos. Here's the most stunning. Kind of in position there, I guess. Here's the most stunning stat of all. Ish. And this speaks to the coaching. And I know people are falling all over themselves. In many cases, it seems to me, at least the people I'm talking to, to try to make this out in 2023 as a season in which the Broncos have grown considerably. Right. Um, I've missed that growth. But here's the bottom line for me. If you take the best efficiency metric that I know of, which is Football Outsiders DVOA, and you take four groups of eight teams and divide them into tiers, you have the top tier, you have the second quarter of teams, you have the third quarter of teams, and you have the bottom eight. And we said last week the Broncos ranked 
at or near the bottom of the third tier. That hasn't changed, except now, at the end of the season, they're at the very bottom. In other words, they're 24th out of 32 teams. Right. Guess what the record is against the worst eight teams in the National Football League? Zero and three. Sean Payton was clearly outcoached by Ron Rivera, who's been fired Mm -hmm. since the season came to an end. Bill Belichick, who is almost certainly moving on from his remarkable career as head coach of so the it seems, yes. It would seem perhaps to land as if in either Washington replacing Rivera or perhaps even in LA uh, with the Chargers. I, I, I think that's possible. I also think Atlanta's possible. And I also think Jerry Jones always gives hints. And basically what he said yesterday is Mike McCarthy better win the better playoffs win. or he's gone. Mm, that's the vibe I got, and too. if you don't think Jerry Jones has his eye on, on Bill, Bill Belichick, Belichick, you haven't been following Jerry Jones' career. Yeah. Very closely. He was outcoached by Robert Sala, who will probably be back as head coach of the Jets, by Belichick and by Ron Rivera, two coaches who will be moving on, one who has officially been dismissed. That's unthinkable. How do you go winless in three games against the Jets, New England, and Washington, throw in the Raiders, two losses, 0-5 against teams ranked in the third, lower edge, third tier, and fourth tier, bottom-feeding NFL Patriots won four games. Commanders won four games. New York, to their credit, somehow scraped together seven. Well, they got to play the Patriots twice. That helped. That helped. That helped. But they were still outscored on the season by 87 oh, well, of points. Of course. And um, on that point, uh, we know the Broncos' schedule, obviously not the sequence, but, but we, we do know, know the Broncos' schedule yep. for next year. Uh, the usual uh, divisional teams, home and home, Kansas City, the Chargers and the Raiders, Cleveland here, Pittsburgh here, Indy here, Carolina here, Atlanta here. It's Boy, a, I, it's I, a, it is a pretty easy schedule. It's a pretty, the, the home schedule is home extraordinarily favorable. Extraordinarily favorable. Yes. Uh, on the road, of course, Kansas City, the Chargers, and the Raiders. Uh, this gets a little dicier. <laughs> yeah. Baltimore. The Bengals, presumably with Burrow. The Jets, presumably with Rodgers. And the Jets were actually top five on defense and special teams. Oh, they lost year, to them DBOA. this year. Uh, and it will be, remember when the Broncos used to play the Patriots every year because yeah. they both finished first place all the time? Right. Now they play the Jets almost every year. How the mighty have fallen. Um, at Tampa Bay, at New Orleans, and at Seattle. Well. That's the schedule for next year. Uh, looks favorable, but again, People look at the Broncos on their schedule, and they start rubbing right. their hands yeah. together in glee. You're on the other side of that now, Broncos fans. Seven straight losing seasons, eight without the playoffs. But on the bright side, Sean Payton's offense is uh, on the way. Payton had a chance to talk about his emphasis on his offense. We'll hear it next on Miley Sports.
Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. That's that's where we're moving. That's where we, you know, it just doesn't, there's a lot that goes into that. And and I would say I'm, I'm a little, it's, it's our offense and it evolves wherever you're, you know, it's not, this is it, you know, and I've, I've told you guys, we've had different quarterbacks play. We've had different running backs over the years. And part of our job is to build the offense around the ingredients that are in the building. And we'll continue to do that. Well, I, I have no idea what that means. Let us know when it no happens. Idea. Because uh, I saw with the exception of, and I went, I went and looked over the film this morning, with the exception of the one extended wide receiver screen where they bunched the receiver on one side. I didn't see any significantly different plays from for Stidham than I saw for Wilson. Uh, I saw the same issues with plays getting in way too late. Uh, I didn't see any situation in which Stidham to me, and I thought, quite frankly, Stidham played for what I expected uh, rather well. And I thought, quite frankly, for what it was worth, he was better than he was the week before, even though they had won. But I didn't see... I mean, he was playing against a better defense. Yeah. And he scored 14 points against uh, his offense. Scored 14 points against uh, a better defensive team as opposed to the 16 points that the offense put up. Yeah. The, the, the Raiders, so by the way, now have won eight consecutive over the Broncos. This right. Four years. Halfway to Kansas won. City. There, there you go. And what was it, 16? Yeah, 16. To Kansas City. Well. Now the Raiders are halfway there. You might not want to break that streak because then you, they'll threaten to bench well, you. Well, my, my point is this. Who would you have rather had playing quarterback for you yesterday? Aiden O'Connell or Jarrett Stidham? I don't think it's it mattered. Hands down. Hands down. Aiden O'Connell. Hands I, You thought down. he was that much better? I thought, I thought he was well, terrific. the QBR world seems against to think he was quite Against the world's greatest defense. Against the world's greatest defense. I mean, QBR had him at 74.3 to Stidham's 29.9. Well, yeah. He was worthy of that. I, and and he played with a smashed up finger in the second half. I mean, yeah. even Garoppolo played a series because he wasn't out of the locker room yet, getting treatment for uh, a hand he smashed up. But I thought it, you know, again, uh, the world's most overrated cornerback was a zero yesterday, getting scorched left and right, not just by Devontae Adams either but by most anybody he covered. And I understand there are a lot of mixed coverages and zones right. and so on. But uh, the only time I noticed Patrick Sertan was when uh, the tight end was dragging him for about 10 or 15 yards of additional gain. I thought, I mean, I thought Sertan was, was fine. And I think when you're trying to, to cover a Devontae Adams, not supposed that's to be tough. Fine. He's supposed to be yeah. the premier cornerback. That's what all the analysts say in all the NFL. I don't NFL, know if he's the best cornerback in the league. Far Far, I think he's far good from that. I think he's a pro bowler. I don't think he's the best. And I don't I think, think he's an all pro. And, and anybody can make the pro bowl. And anybody can miss making the pro bowl. I, I, I pay no attention to the pro bowl anymore. I, I don't pay any attention to voting. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, all pro means something mm-hmm. to me. Okay. And I think the Broncos have one all pro, and that's Justin, Justin Simmons. Simmons. And, again, Matt Millen made... Uh, Quentin, actually, he did declare this yesterday that 
Quinn Miners was the best guard in the NFL, hands down. Number one. That and seems that's a bit of a nonsense. Yeah, as come well. on now. That's Quentin a... Nelson. You ever heard of Quentin yeah. Nelson? Right. He plays for the Indianapolis yeah. Colts. He was all but wearing a gold jacket the day he was drafted. And uh, fans here, Broncos uh, passed on him, uh, by with the way. whom I tend to disagree. Um, but still, uh, at the time, you could argue that the best player in that draft was Quentin Nelson. The less significant position he plays explains why he didn't go number one overall and instead went six. If you've been a tackle, Mm -hmm. he might have gone quite a bit earlier. I don't know about number one overall because quarterbacks tend to go number one overall. But the funny thing is, think think about it now, Sandy. But but Quentin Nelson, listen, Quentin Nelson is the gold standard for guards. And a guy in Dallas is pretty good, too. They're both better guards. They're both better guards overall than uh, Quinn Miners. Quinn Miners was the one Bronco on offense this year, I thought, distinguished himself. But even with Quinn Miners, I said this about Quentin Nelson when the Broncos passed on him and people were arguing that they never should have passed on a major mistake. My point at that stage was it's too bad. He can't play five positions at once, but he can't, he can only play one. And I think Miners has had an excellent, I do too. An excellent year. No doubt in my mind that that is true, but he can't play all five positions. And yesterday, Fleming and Bowles and Powers were terrible, and Cushenberry played the way Cushenberry usually plays. He's an unrestricted free agent. There's no way the Broncos bring him back in 2024. No way. The the expense, I I am inclined to agree with you. I think I think the uh, the cost is going to be. I don't think it's going to be outlandish because centers don't make what they make. No. But I think that Sean Payton is interested in revamping this team into his image, whatever that looks like. And, and he ripped he the offensive line. He was as critical as he's been all year of the offensive line after the game yesterday. For the record on guards via pro football focus, for what that's worth, it is you know, it's kind of an in-between. Uh, their top guard overall, uh, Joel Batonio of Cleveland. He's a good uh, one. Joe Tooney of Kansas City. He's a good one. Ezra Cleveland. The Broncos passed on him as well for Minnesota. Yep. Zach Martin of Dallas. Yes. Isaac Serumalo of Philadelphia. Uh, Robert Hunt of Miami. Trey Smith, again, of Kansas City. Look what happens when you invest your first picks in yep. Lyman. Landon Dickerson, also of Philadelphia. Quentin Nelson, of course, of Indianapolis. And yeah, then Shaq and Quentin Mason Nelson hasn't been... Bay. Uh, quite as good in the last few years as he was his first year or two. The, the, he had that, that bad injury, and it, has, it hasn't been quite there. But uh, at the same time, when you look at a pro football focus, that situation, when teams choose to blitz, they don't blitz Nelson's side. They pick the other side. So that also matters, too, when you don't have the opportunity to hold those things up. It's a little bit like you're rating cornerbacks. So they don't throw over there. A little hard to get some metrics on there. It's it's a bit of a reputation thing. But Miners, look, Miners is the best offensive lineman the Broncos have. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. But it's just not enough. And and I do question what this is going to look like. We'll have Aaron Anderson on at the top of the hour from Fox 31. And the last time he was on, he brought up a very interesting point about George Payton, the general manager, and suggested that if they keep George Payton, then basically by doing so, Sean Payton has another year of avoiding accountability because at this point, if the players aren't good enough or if the dead money is because of Russell Wilson and Sean Payton didn't sign that, you have an opportunity to say, well, 
not my fault. You know, we couldn't build the roster that I knew would be good because this guy messed up. You can kind of back the bus over George Payton next year. But. Well, he's running out of scapegoats and Payton right. would serve that purpose. Well, and I think it was fascinating that you brought it up in the very opening segment. And uh, I want to get your opinion on this as well as for our listeners is 303-831-1340 is the caller text. For a while this season, Sean Payton harped on how long it was getting the plays to come in and how we they have, there was no reason for the delay of games and heavily indicated that it was Russell Wilson's fault. In fact, at one point saying, if we have to, if, in fact, I can give that, the quote was, and I'm remembering, if we have to wristband him, we'll do that. Flat out saying it was the quarterback's fault and he's not capable of understanding my complicated stuff. We'll have to throw a wristband on him. Then you bench Russell Wilson to get your guy in and the exact same problems manifested. Four minutes, 17 seconds into the second quarter, they called a timeout. Right. Because they weren't ready. Uh, This is right after Stidham has been sacked by Crosby. Mm -hmm. Just seconds later. And what was the other one? Well, there were tw- there noticed. were twice that they, uh, they there was at least one other timeout that was called early in a quarter. But there were two different times in which the Broncos could have been called for late games. The clock hit zero. Oh yeah. Uh, let's see. Third quarter. Uh, timeout, I'm sorry, fourth quarter, timeout, less than three and a half minutes into the quarter. Mm-hmm. Same deal. Yep. Same deal. And this is after a 47-yard pass completion from Stidham to Judy. That I believe it was possibly the next play that they couldn't get right. on time. And, and, and Judy was all upset over something and took him a while to leave the field. So, I I mean, it's not every timeout you call early in a quarter is representative of dysfunction. Oh, no. But they call, they've called multiple timeouts with Stidham the last two weeks at quarterback when something broke down and they couldn't get the play. The play in the third quarter, right? The indication that, Again, that may have been Russell Wilson's fault, the Broncos' inability to score in the third quarters of games or even get anything going in the third quarters of games. Well, they got yards, I suppose, on the Broncos' two drives. They had a pair of drives in that third quarter. The first one went for six plays and 16 yards. The second went for 10 plays and 51 yards. So you have 16 plays, 67 yards, and no points in the third quarter again. So, this team, that it, it, it's always interesting, right? And do do not. Uh, I apologize to all my high school math teachers who would immediately put their hands up and say, "Yeah, not this guy." But I do know what a common denominator is. And when you have all the same things coming up with the same result, you remove one thing and the result's different. Or if you remove one thing and the results are the same, you start going, "Well, what's the difference here?" Well, Russell Wilson's been removed in the last two games. The last two games were against teams playing out the string. Both were eliminated at the time the game started. One of them, the previous week, just had guys wearing Chargers uniforms. The other is a pretty decent defense against the Raiders. 
This offense looked like the same offense that I saw with Russell Wilson against teams that were still in the hunt or teams that you somehow beat. I, well, the, bo- so the bottom line for me is Wilson they're 0 is 3. no longer the common denominator, is he? They're 0-3 or 0-5 if you throw the Raiders in against four of the worst 10 to 12 teams in the NFL. Mm-hmm. The only reason you can't say And the, the Broncos uh, are one of those teams, by the way. One of the worst uh, 10 yeah. teams in, in the NFL. And they go... Um, 0-3 against the lower quarter, as we mentioned in the last segment. And, you know, Washington, they had, they had a huge lead, blew that one. Um, by the way, Chicago's in that neighborhood, and it took an extraordinary rally to beat the Bears, who weren't defensively anything close to what they are now. No. And the Bears are a better team than Broncos. If, oh, if you're asking me, Goodness, based yeah. oh on gosh, yes. draft picks, salary cap position, quarterback, I I know Fields didn't play well yesterday, but that was Green Bay, and Green Bay's going for a playoff spot, and it's at Lambeau Field, and Green Bay's very serious. Green Bay had a playoff spot taken away from it a year ago with Aaron Rodgers, at quarterback, right. by the Detroit Lions, and they weren't going to let it happen again against the Bears this year Chicago has got a quarterback but Denver lost to the Jets with Wilson who will not be their quarterback next right. year against New England with Zappi who will not be New England's quarterback next year right and against Washington with Howell mm-hmm. who also will not be the Washington quarterback next year with or without Eric Bieniemy on the stage. You lost to the Raiders with Jimmy Garoppolo who didn't even make it through the season before getting benched and then you lost to Aiden O'Connell who I right. don't think anyone is firmly convinced in Las Vegas that no. he's the answer. But but I'm I'm saying he was drafted if I'm not mistaken around the same territory O'Connell? that Stidham was drafted. Fourth. They're Fourth both backup yeah. quarterbacks right. but on the basis of what I saw yesterday I take O'Connell, and again, Millen made the absurd declaration that, well, we spent time with O'Connell this week, and he didn't have any idea. That was about interesting. The he was that just was a strange they, thing to he say, was wasn't just it? Thinking about what he might do, and the other guy stood him. He knew what he was going to do. I, and I, I thought say, that was whoa, a whoa, curious whoa, whoa, interpretation. Uh, Stidham has had no more exposure to this offense here than O'Connell has had no. to Their the first Raider in, offense, in each one. which really hasn't changed that much no. with McDaniels leaving. It's the defense that changed mm-hmm. with Pierce as the coach because the defensive players clearly will run through a wall. You could hear the fans Antonio chanting Pierce. AP, right. AP, AP. Now, on there's going to be some pressure there to there, keep there's a, you know, There's a different play caller, obviously. McDaniels was the play caller before, early in the season. But McDaniels outcoached Sean Payton yeah. in the opener yeah, they with Jimmy a, Garoppolo. Garoppolo, who got benched. I mean, it's, it's tricky. I mean, do you really feel that, that Sean Payton is the answer? Does what he did with Drew Brees and... Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas and Jimmy Graham. Uh, does that make you feel he's the guy to fix it? Well, as a wise man once said, none of those guys are walking through that door out of Dove Valley. No, they are not, at least not to put on any uniforms. And the Broncos soon. aren't in a drafting position to get players like that anyway. They have the 12th pick, yes, 
and then you're waiting until the third round third before round. you pick again because they don't have a second. Yep. Again, it will be a uh, it will be an interesting ride. And that second, by the way, is not because of Russell Wilson's trade. That's just because Payton. of Sean Payton. That's what it costs yeah. to get him. Well, over on the ice, the Colorado Avalanche had themselves a um, bit of a mess over the weekend, but they have an opportunity to maybe right the ship tonight against the Bruins. We'll look and see if that's something that was an aberration or if the Avs really do have a problem on their hands as the Bruins come to town. We'll talk about it next on My Life Sports. The way you smell so sweet You know you could have been some perfume Well, you could have been anything that you wanted to And I can tell This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. Happy Monday. Those can be a thing. It's like just all about your mindset, right? I'm Chandro Tar, Sandy Clough on my left. Danny Bailey in the booth. The caller text line is 303-831-1340. The Avalanche take on the Boston Bruins in Ball Arena tonight. Uh, the Bruins tied atop the Eastern Conference with 54 points with the New York Rangers, one of the best teams in the league. Uh, the Abs find themselves in a, in a reasonably enviable position. They are uh, three points behind the Winnipeg Jets. The Jets still have a game in hand. They are ahead of the Dallas Stars. They're in playoff position, but all, before we get to the Bruins game, Sandy, I want to go back to the, the game against the Panthers this weekend in which the Abs lost 8-4 uh, to four, and they went down 3-0. to zero. Then they got all the way back and tied it 3-3 three to three. And then the wheels came off. And it's actually 4-4. Four, four. You're, you're correct. Four, you're correct. 4-4. Four. Four, four. And then uh, everything sort of fell apart. And I, I guess I've even mischaracterizing it that way because things fell apart pretty early. Even Proskotov yeah. uh, pulled after surrendering his fourth goal. And when you surrender four goals on, um, well, not very many shots. When your safe 13. percentage is 692 that's bad. It wasn't it wasn't just about the save percentage though. I mean, those are bad goals, they were. especially the last one. And sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes when a goaltender gets pulled, it's to light a fire under everybody else. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is playing reasonably well. Yeah. Uh, it was about the goaltending, and Bednar said as much after the game, particularly critical of Prosvitov who just didn't look like he was prepared to play. And I know it's tough when you're not playing a lot. But, you know, we've seen the two-goaltender system in effect really going back to maybe even the last year or two of the original six. Mm -hmm. That's in the mid-60s we're talking about. And back then, yeah, there was a second goaltender, but the number one goaltender played almost all the time. And a second guy had to be ready. Only if, if injury. Right. Right. And Patrick Waugh always insisted on playing 60 to 65 games a year. So uh, whether it was Billington or, or Abisher, or anybody who backed him up during his time here in, in Denver, they weren't getting to play very much and they functioned reasonably well. Now I, I thought, 
put him out there against Florida, Prosvetov, I mean, and that's that's a little tricky. Uh, Florida's a really good team. You know, if, it, if there was a game to put him in for, maybe that wasn't the best one, but the way he played, uh, they might have lost anyway. Yeah. Might have, but scoring four goals against Florida, you're not going to see four goals scored against Florida very often. So I didn't think there was anything wrong with the way they skated, uh, the way they executed uh, offensively. Um, I I don't think there were many who had great games, but the big guys all played well. Uh, the supporting players were, I, I thought, okay. I thought O'Connor was very good. I thought Nishushkin was good on the second line. Uh, I thought Cogliano and Johansson and Kibby Ranta were fine on on the third line. Uh, you know the Avalanche have holes to be sure, and they're playing without Bo Byram now, and right. they'll be playing without him for a while uh, with uh, what they are terming a lower body injury. I think, but I, this I, was about yeah. the goaltender, and I liked. And I thought Caleb Jones did a nice job too. Yeah, and, yeah, and he was in, in Prozvodov's case, you're talking about a backup, and he didn't look good. I understand when you have to go in and you're expecting a day off that there's expected to be a little bit of a, a lack of sharpness well, as well. He but was, he was good at the beginning, at the beginning and then he wasn't good. Right. Then he, he wasn't good after it was 4-4. He came four, in he wasn't. and it seems like the, the game yeah. was stabilized. The Avs had their opportunity to catch up. Well, and it kind of felt like, hey, the Avs are in good shape. And then Georgiev wasn't good either. And You know who was the losing goaltender, right? Well, it was Georgiev because it was yes, a 4-4 four, four game. Because it was a 4-4 four, four game. Right. It's like baseball. Yeah, when, you know, if, if the starter's lousy, relief pitcher comes in and his team rallies to tie the game, he becomes the pitcher of record right. as long as he's in the game. And, of course, they weren't going back and forth in this case. So Georgiev takes the loss, his ninth of the year. But here are the figures that are disturbing to me. And this one particular figure applies to both goaltenders equally. Save percentage, 0.895 for both Prosvetov and Georgiev. Now, Georgiev is at 2.98 goals against, which is still way too high. It's half a goal higher than it should be. And Prosvetov's at 3.16 now, uh, but the save percentage is both below 90. Uh, You won't find many, if any, this demands further research on my part, but any team with two goaltenders who's – ostensibly contending for a Stanley Cup right. with uh, safe percentages of below 900. Um, I wonder how serious that Georgiev team is about contending for leads the league Cup. and wins with he 21. Does. Now, he does. He's played but you talk about that save, uh, probably the goals against of 2.98. That's 30th. That's half a goal high. 30th. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, and the save percentage is not 30th. No. <laughs> no, I mean, that, but I mean, that's, that's that's the challenge. I mean, you're looking at a situation. It's a lot worse than. And this is 30. it's it's pretty bad. You know, this is this is a situation in which you're looking at the goaltending be underwhelming. As a matter of fact, that 895 is 40th in the league yeah. in save percentage. This is what you're seeing is the goaltending for the Avalanche has been good enough for a team that can generate a lot of goals. That's what you're seeing. Good enough for a team that can. They're a middle a of the goals. pack goals against team. Yep, and that's almost entirely due to below average goaltending. They but, their goaltending has not been average. No, it's, it's, it's been below, below average. average. 
their overall defensive profile speaks to an average defensive team, but that tells you how good the defense the defense has been and, and, right. and the forwards have been responsible defensively. It hasn't been because of the goaltending that the Avalanche or whatever they are, Here's 15th, the, the 16th problem, in though. goals against average. This isn't something the Avs can fix. One, there are no elite goaltenders sitting on the market. And, and two, if there were, they'd require so many draft assets that the Avs don't have that they can't make that move. That even doesn't take into account the salary cap situation in which they're still a little snug. Remember that they moved Thomas Tatar without a corresponding move. And the, the presumption was that even freeing up that small amount of money might be necessary to facilitate a move later on. I think the Avs may do that, but it's not going to be for a goaltender. I, I and wouldn't think so. Eustace Annanen's name was brought up after the game. Uh, of course, the, the Avs' top goaltending prospect up with the Colorado Eagles right now, 2.55 goals against with a save percentage of 916. That's pretty good. That's good. But good. it's against AHL competition, sure. not sure. NHL competition. Now, Jonas Johansson, uh, relatively young, too, is, is out there. He's averaging a 2.33 and a 920 save percentage in a few uh, a fewer games. Well, I, I think pro, games pro, the, uh, Georgiev had a great year, I thought, last year. Um, I hope it's not a career year, but who knows? He's 27, Yep, uh, and he has really regressed this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was a little tired in the playoffs last year. But he wasn't bad in the Seattle series. He wasn't oh. the main reason they lost. He had, a, he had that goals against about a half goal better, two point five three last year. Yeah, I, I, I and he he was at or near the top of the league in wins last year too. Forty wins. Yeah, and, and a nine nineteen. I'm guessing percentage. he might get to forty again this year. Yep. But the other corresponding numbers aren't comparable with last year's, and they need to be. They need to be because the Avalanche aren't going to continue. Certainly not against top flight opposition, and I would characterize Boston as top flight uh, yeah. opposition tonight. You can't count on scoring four or five goals. No. And four goals is not enough to win uh, against anybody. You have a goaltending problem mm-hmm. in that case. Most likely you have a goaltending problem yeah. in that case. If you're scoring four goals against top flight teams, and they've been doing this during the course you of the year. I know they had a few of those shutouts early in the season, but they're, they're scoring – three, four goals and losing a fair number of games yeah, more, more than, than they, should like they should be. Yep. And it's the goaltending that's the common thread. When you it, it isn't solely to blame for every loss, but it's mostly to blame for the fact that they are in second place only because Dallas has been having problems with their top goaltender hurt at right. the moment, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, you're you're correct. And, and imagine, I mean, imagine this: the the Avs now at this stage, uh, you know, when you're talking about 40 games into the season, so you're almost at the halfway point. But played 40 games, the Avs have three 20 plus goal scorers in McKinnon, Randon, and and Nachushkin. They have four 40 point players. They have four guys that are averaging a point a game. McKinnon, Randon, and Nachushkin, of course, add Kale McCarr. Four point per game, guys. And and the, the challenge for the Avs is that the help in the goaltending position is not coming. Annanen, could you swap out Annanen and Proposovtov? Sure. You swap out Or Annen, even 
and even the other Georgiev guy. or Johansson for but 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 for Prosvetov, not, it's, Gorg, not it's for Georgiev, Georgiev and somebody and, and help is not coming. Georgiev is going to play again this year, somewhere between sixteen. These are starting games, and the Abs have to find a way to get better from within. They don't have an exterior option. We'll find out if they can kind of flush that game. Get right tonight. They have to come with a uh, very good effort, and they'd better do it early because, yeah, the Avs are good enough to score on anybody, but you don't want to try to catch up on Boston. We'll find out more about that. Of course, the Denver Broncos offseason begins, and uh, what will happen to George Payton? Well, last time we had him on, Aaron Anderson had some very interesting thoughts that more and more ever since, those seem to have crystallized into maybe not just musings, but it may be exactly what's going to happen. We'll hear from the man from Fox 31 next on Miley Sports.